Hello, I'm Christian, and welcome to the Jamar International Podcast, where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, hosts, and Gemmar International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we are talking about brainstorming. Dirk, brainstorming is a term that is thrown around a lot, and probably all of our listeners today have been in a brainstorming meeting. Why are we talking about this? Um, I was actually prompted to choose this topic by the Bartleby column on management and work in The Economist. Uh, the Economist is the British weekly newspaper that is read by business people uh, around the world, and I actually quite recommend it. Well, thank you for that recommendation, The Economist. And with that said, before we get to our topic in brainstorming, who or what is this Bartleby? Yeah, Bartleby is the name of a fictional character. So it's a pseudonym. The original fictional Bartleby was a scrivener or an office clerk from a set of short stories written about everyday life in the American office workplace in the mid 1800s. And the column is is fun to read because it combines irreverent humor with serious management insights. So it's a mix of the office and the Harvard Business Review. Okay, thanks for that explanation. And now I'm left wondering what it would be like if the show The Office was meant to convey some serious management insight. But with that aside, what about brainstorming then? Why do people in offices do brainstorming? Yeah, at its most basic, uh, brainstorming refers to a group of people getting together to generate ideas about business problems. And this can Mm -hmm. range from how to get more customers for our latest invention or how to cut costs in the workplace cafeteria. All right, so that makes sense, and that sounds really good. So what does Bartleby have to say about this? Yeah, Bartleby points out three problems with brainstorming. And and the first one is that people do come up with many ideas, but but many of those ideas are just not feasible. So so let's talk about the brainstorming about selling our, our product, selling more of our product. And somebody has the idea, hey, let's sell it in many more international markets. So that may sound great, but that possibly is not feasible because in that foreign market, they may like our product, but their local product standards or language barriers or business regulations that we just can't overcome. So the idea sounds appealing, but it's just not practical. Dirk, I can see that being a big problem. And that's even something I see in group work for my PhD program, when we have a great idea about a project, but the ideas are just not feasible. Great idea on paper, but doesn't work in practice. So what's next? Yeah, the second problem that Bartleby points us to is who is attending. And so say you have senior managers attending and and they have a tendency to take up all the oxygen in in the room. But but if they're not there, then people don't think the meeting is important. And Mm. so they don't show up. 
also, um, if, if senior managers are present, all it takes is a bit of a frown uh, or a nod of the head to, to elevate an idea that comes or to kill the idea. And, and I think that Bartleby is quite observant here. If you're in a Zoom meeting and you watch the facial expression of the most senior person on the screen, you can see what that can do to the meeting and whether an idea is discussed further or it right. just dies, dies right there. Right. And, and Dirk, I'll have to admit, I've been in meetings on boards that I sit on where I've been speaking and sharing an idea. And in the corner of my eye, I see the most senior person in the meeting and I'm sort of looking for those nods. So definitely a valid point there. What's the third? Yeah, the, the third one is different personalities and cultures. And there's some people in some cultures who just can't wait to share their ideas. And then there are others who won't say anything. And, and so again, I think Bartleby is really spot on here. And I've seen this, especially in meetings where we have English speakers and mm. non-English speakers or, you know, uh, uh, people who speak English as a second language. So the native speakers always tend to dominate. And some people may not say anything. They may hold back on a good idea because they realize they cannot get the idea across in the same way. And on top of it, their cultural context may prohibit them from speaking out when they're not absolutely sure they're saying the right thing in the right way. Dirk, that, that's fantastic and definitely something I think we should all be aware of. And that said, again, we have three big problems now with brainstorming. So what do we do? Do we cancel all brainstorming meetings and just dive into the work? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what, some, some brainstorming meetings probably are a bit of a waste, but, but not all of them. I've seen some really good ideas come out of our brainstorming meetings. And, and so in my, in, in, in my experience, the problem is not so much the brainstorming itself, but how it is organized. Okay. Isn't that always the case, I'm wondering? Like the difference between teamwork and good teamwork, like we discussed some time ago. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right, Christian. Okay, so, it, okay, from there, what can be done? What does Bartleby think about that? Yeah, so so Bartleby, and this is again why I like him, he doesn't just criticize, he, he also comes up with uh, uh, with ideas, and, and he has some uh, good tips. And, and one of them is to make people write down their ideas before asking them to share. And, and I've seen this work, uh, for example, I did a workshop in, in China and it, it was very hard to get people to participate. Um, and and because, because people just wouldn't speak out that easily, but, but if you ask them to write down their thoughts, you can then call on them and ask them to share. And, and so I think Bartleby's bigger point here is that it shows the power of strong facilitation. Someone has to make sure that the brainstorming meeting is well organized and well executed. And uh, somebody has to be in charge. That doesn't mean that this is the boss, but we need somebody who is a good facilitator and also is not afraid to call out people or and ask them to let others speak. Dirk, that's very helpful. And I think that might also help with the those cultural questions that we mentioned before, having someone to facilitate and really ensure that people's voices are heard. So. That makes sense. Any other suggestions? Yeah, uh, Bartleby recommends to properly frame the brainstorming question to avoid a free for all. So instead of asking, think of our, of our earlier example, how can we get more customer for our customers for our latest invention? The question should be, how can we get more customers for our latest invention without incurring 
too much extra cost. In other words, how can we sell more of what we have to customers who are willing and able to buy? So the focus of the brainstorming would be on customers and markets that are similar to the ones we have today. The thinking will be more focused on realities and therefore the ideas will likely be more, more feasible. That sounds really helpful, Dirk. Framing the question to keep us focused on reality certainly seems to at least theoretically imply that the, the solutions or the ideas would be more feasible. So that's also a good reminder that discipline is so, so important. Proper preparation helps keep the discussion focused. What advice would you have for us from your own experience? Yeah, so, so the main thing would be to realize that brainstorming in the true sense, it actually is quite a technical term in some ways, is not an isolated event. Now, if we get together, we can always get together, we can throw some uh, ideas around and we can call that brainstorming and that's um, okay. But what I'm talking about here is the larger process of creative problem solving. So, so we're dealing with a difficult problem and we're using brainstorming uh, to solve it. And, and so the process for this is, so first we ask the right question. That's what uh, uh, Bartleby just told us. And, and that includes a key challenge. How can we sell more without increasing our cost? Or, you know, think back just now to the workplace cafeteria example. How can we cut cost without losing customers? Because we still want people to use the cafeteria instead of ordering DoorDash or going off-site. And, and so the, the, the second thing is then, once we have asked the right question, is to have the brainstorming meeting, but just to generate ideas. The, the important thing to know is the best ideas may come a li little bit later in the process. And so the facilitator should cheer people to share more ideas, write them down, and don't worry just now how good they are, and don't have the boss frown on them. Brainstorming at this stage is actually about the quality of ideas and, and not thinking about the quality of ideas. Okay, Dirk, I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm going to press back a little bit. We just spoke about the parallel between brainstorming and that idea of teamwork versus good teamwork. We just, uh, a moment ago, spoke about the importance of discipline. Shouldn't we want quality over quantity at every stage? Yeah, we, we do, but, but the important thing to realize here is that evaluating the idea is another step. And, and so I would recommend to keep the brainstorming meeting short, can even be 20 or 30 minutes, and then let get everybody uh, back to, to the other work they have to do, and then take a smaller team and have them sift through all the ideas. And most likely they will throw out 90% of them, but then they will take a closer look at the 10% that, that makes some sense. So the point is to keep the evaluation of the idea separate from the brainstorming or the generation of the idea. Right. I understand that. Okay, Dirk, that makes sense. So what's next then? Yeah, so so um, Christian, the, the most spontaneous brainstorming ideas, even the good ones, uh, are just a starting point. And, and so then we have a, a next phase where we develop those ideas more. So for example, if as an American, com as an American company, the idea is to find customers in other English-speaking countries like 
Canada, the UK, Australia, or, or countries where English is, is very common, say Nigeria or Ghana, we still need to take a closer look as to whether the market is a good fit. And like, can we easily modify our product? Maybe it's just a tweak. And, and so this would be developing the idea, which is different from evaluation. So the good idea is to sell our product in other English speaking countries, but then take a closer look is what tweaks do I still have to make? And in, in which of those countries are the tweaks the easiest to make? That's helpful, Dirk, very helpful. Any other steps? Yeah, there are some more. Um, there, there are uh, very few ideas that, that wouldn't have uh, some drawback or you know, that would have some cost to it no brainers so to speak yes 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 exactly right. we don't okay. need brainstorming for a no brainer so but that means uh, if there is a cost to it if there is an extra effort to it if there is a product modification or anything like this you will have to sell your ideas mm -hmm. and you have to show how the investment that we make in that in that idea really has a big uh, payoff and and sometimes selling an idea is not always obvious and you know it may require, alas, another brainstorming session. Is how are we going to sell this to senior managers, to investors, to board of directors, to to really get going and implementing the idea? Right, Dirk. Alas, indeed. And it's so nice to see how we've come full circle. So let me just summarize here. First of all, we want to organize our brainstorming meetings well. Focus on that right critical question. Generate lots of ideas and make sure we hear from everyone. And part of that is making sure people are not afraid to share their ideas and working with the fear of being judged immediately. Second, we want to remember that brainstorming is just one part of a much larger process. And that includes asking the right question, brainstorming, evaluating ideas, developing ideas, and then selling the final idea as a product. Yeah, Kirsten, that's about it, actually. Well, look at that. And all of this is from a scrivener in the 19th century. So as a student of history, it's always exciting to see who in the past inspires us and can actually speak to us here in the present. But that's all we have for now. I hope that people learn something. I hope that this will challenge you to think more critically about your brainstorming meetings and hopefully see some good ideas come from them. But until then, we'll see you next time. Take care.